This is the story of the great family. Many of our stories of scripture take place in the desert. And since we cannot bring the desert, the entire desert, to our sanctuary, this morning I brought you a piece of the desert so that we can welcome the story and the promise of God. People only go into the desert if they must, if they have to, because the desert is a dangerous place. In the daytime, the sun is hot, and in the nighttime, it is cold. And the wind blows, and the sand stings your face, and the shape of the desert changes, and people lose their way. So they only go into the desert if they have to. In the early days in the land of the Fertile Crescent, people gathered not in the desert, but by along the rivers, especially along the rivers of the Tigris and the Euphrates. And one of the great cities on the Euphrates was the city of Ur, and another was the city of Haran. And in the city of Ur, everyone worshipped a different god. Some worshipped the god of the river, or the rain, or the sea. And others worshipped the god of the flowers, or the trees, or the sun, or the moon, or the stars. But in the city of Ur, there was a family who believed in one god, and they believed that that one God was with them wherever they went. And even though they had never left the city of Ur, when it came time for them to leave, they knew that God would go with them. And so when it came time for them to leave, they brought their family with them, their dad and their brothers, And they followed along the river. And they listened for God. For God would show them the way and they would know when they arrived. <coughs> and two in the family were named Abram and Sarai. And they made their way with all the animals in their family and the helpers in their family. And they brought their tents with them so that they would have a place to be along the way. And finally, they came to the place at the edge of the city of Haran and they knew that they had arrived. They had come to the place that God had called them. And they made their home there. And in the evenings, Abram would go out to the edge of the desert. And God would draw near to him, and he would draw near to God. 
and he did this often. And one night, he knew that God was calling him out beyond this place called Haran. And so after his father died, he and his wife Sarai began their trek away from Haran. They didn't bring their entire family this time, but many still went with them, his nephew, Lot, and many servants and animals, and they brought their tents with them. And they got to the small village of Shechem. And at night, Abram went up to the hill, and he prayed to God, and he built an altar there to remember the presence of God in Shechem. But God was not calling him to stay, and so they traveled on. And they arrived in the place called Bethel. And in Bethel, Abram went up to the top of the hill and prayed to God and built an altar there to remember God's presence in that place. But God was not calling them to stay there. And so they went on until they got to the place called Hebron. And in Hebron, he went up to the hill. He prayed to God. And there he knew that God was calling him to stay. And so they did. They made their home in the oaks of Mamre. And at night, Abram would go out to the edge of the desert to see the stars in the night sky and the sand that made up the desert, all the grains of sand. And God would draw near to him, and he would draw near to God. And one night, God told him something that surprised him. God said, you will become the father of many nations. You, your family will become great and number the stars in the sky and the grains of sand in the desert. And Abram laughed because he was old in years and it would be impossible for him and Sarai to have a child. And God said, just wait and see. Change your name. Go by the name of Abraham. And let your wife go by the name of Sarah. And wait and see my promise unfold. And so Abraham went back to his wife and he told Sarah that they would have a child and she laughed. What news was this? And time went on and no child came. And one day Abraham was outside of his tent and he saw strangers come from the desert. And he welcomed them and he had Sarah come and they together brought out meat and milk, and bread, and water, and they feasted together with these strangers, as was the custom in their day. And the strangers told them this, Abraham, Sarah, you will have a child. And both of them laughed. And the strangers went on their way. And sure enough, 
within the year, Sarah gave birth to a child. And this child brought laughter to both of them. And so Abraham and Sarah called their child Isaac, which in their, in their language means laughter. And as Abraham and Sarah grew on in years, Abraham went and found a wife for his son Isaac from their hometown and brought her to him, and they were married. And Isaac and Rebekah had children, and their children had children, and their children had children, until the day that your grandparents had children. And then they had you, and you became part of this great family. So we give thanks for Abraham and Sarah, through whom God's love is shared, and for the place of Hebron, where they lived, and for their visit to Bethel, and to their visit to Shechem, and for they, the time that they spent with Abraham's father in Haran, and for their hometown of Ur, and for the Euphrates River and the Tigris, and for the desert, where people go only when they must, only when they need to. May God be with us in the hearing of this holy word. Amen. Please pray with me. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. With the story of Abraham's great migration uh, on our hearts, it seems important to recognize that The Economist reported this summer that migration continues to shift in our world, especially in the Americas. Groups of Haitians now congregate in cities from Mexico to Santiago. Venezuelans deliver meals on bikes in Lima and Bogota. More than 150,000 Nicaraguans have sought refuge in Costa Rica and another 150,000 Cubans have left the island in the last year. Then also, the trackless jungle that stands just south of the Panama Canal that forms that once impossible and impassable barrier between South and Central America has become a dangerous but important highway for migration in the last year. Last year, more than 130,000 people trekked through. Why so much migration and movement? Some say it's the impact of the pandemic or of ecological migration needs. Some say it's failing governments and the rise of dictatorships. Some say it's perpetual violence that causes people to take otherwise unavoidable risks or unthinkable risks. Then, as now, people don't go into the desert or the jungle or across mountains unless they have to. 
It's hot during the day in the desert and cold at night, and the wind blows and the sand shifts and the land becomes an enigma. And Abraham and his family took this unthinkable risk, leaving Ur and then leaving Haran, and they head into the rural desert. If you read the full story from chapter 11 to chapter 25, you will hear the stories of famine and the economic pressures of feeding livestock and caring for them. Abraham's family fight in a war that's not their own. There's family drama. A city is destroyed in fire and smoke, and family members barely make it out alive. Then, as now, the consequences of migration are hardship and uncertainty and risk. It is the story of Abraham that leads us to the biblical, ethical point of view that each of us must show hospitality to the stranger, that we must welcome the sojourner, that we must feed the traveler and house the refugee and make space for the immigrant. The story of Abraham has much to teach us, and the impact of this story can be found across every corner of our understanding of ourselves as Christians and of our God. Sometimes in worship, we take scripture line by line and put a magnifying glass to tiny stories so that we can find the kernel of truth that God is showing us word for word, like an artificionado looking at the brushstrokes of Van Gogh's Starry Night or Seurat's Sunday Afternoon on the Island. But this month, Christine and I want to zoom out like we have today on the story of Abraham. And we want to look at these ancient stories of our faith with a wider lens. The story of Genesis, the story of Exodus, uncovering the sacred in the desert and in the promised land and on every little piece of the journey along the way. We think this wider scope will give us a new perspective this summer. So sometimes we look at those brush strokes, but now we will step back to see the whole painting. What does Abraham's story tell us? Well, I think that Abraham's story tells us that God calls us into the unknown. For Abraham, the unknown meant migration, first along the rivers of safety and then into the risky territory of the desert, each time reestablishing himself, finding new footing, uh, being at times clever and at times wise and at times exceedingly foolish. Nonetheless, God walked alongside him through it all. And don't be mistaken, God didn't swoop in and save Abraham in some sort of divine heroic rescue, polishing away problems and tidying up mistakes. This is a story with bumps along the way. If you read the whole story of Abraham's life, you'll remember this part of Abraham's story where he was so afraid in the midst of famine and he journeys to Egypt to find food for his people and he goes to visit Pharaoh and Abraham introduces his wife, not as his wife, but as his sister and he offers her in marriage to the Pharaoh and allows Pharaoh to marry her only to have Pharaoh later find all of this out and Abraham gets kicked out, gets read the riot act and has to leave the kingdom. 
So Abraham's far from perfect. He's no saint. But Abraham, with all of his imperfections, is seeking and finding God in this place beyond his comfort zone, where even amid the uncertainties of what might come next, he is offered a chance to look up at the night sky and hold space for the sacred indwelling presence of God to enter in. We have much to learn from Abraham. You yourself might not be anticipating an Abraham-style migration trek through a waterless desert, but you are facing your own desert in your own way, your own risky path, your own sense of being called beyond your comfort zone into something new. For you, it may be an impending illness or an injury to recover from unexpectedly, or it may mean walking with a loved one into the hardest season of their lives. It may mean unexpected loneliness or loss or some unfair, unwanted turn, unwanted turn of events at this stage of your life that you never thought possible. Your own personal desert may be a dried-up sense of belonging or just a longing for another way. Maybe it is a cross-country move with its own risks and possibilities facing you. But if we find any semblance of hope in this story of Abraham, it is that God calls us into the unknown and does not leave us abandoned. Abraham practices day after day, week after week, standing in the presence of God under the night sky, listening to God and listening for God. He walked out to the edge of the desert with a purpose, seeking to find that kind of holy and yet inaudible back and forth conversation with the divine. Divine and self entangled in the discernment of a lifetime where God nudges Abraham to go and then stay and go and then stay. Every decision wrapped up in this sacred dialogue where the spirit of the living God can draw near and the, full, the fullness of who Abraham is can be lifted up into the presence of God. Some weeks we go anyway or we stay anyway without any semblance of divine listening. Sometimes we botch it. Sometimes we descend into a spiral of trouble that feels unending. Sometimes we make a wrong move or a very wrong move. But in the story of Abraham, despite his own wrong moves at times, we do not see the fullness of guilt and shame of the world's religious institutions coming into play here. That is not the kind of God we meet in the story of Abraham. God is at work in the hopelessness. God is at work in the transgressions. God is at work across the scandals, whether they were in Ur or Haran or Shechem or Bethel or Hebron. God is at work with Abraham, wherever he is. 19th century poet Christina Rossetti writes, Tread lightly. All the earth is holy ground. And it's Abraham who is setting the stage for these words. 
for her theological orientation to the presence of God made known wherever you are. Everywhere Abraham goes, he sets up an altar to God, to our God, the one in whom we live and move and have our being, the one who is with all and in all and for all. Without Abraham's sense of the presence of God with him wherever he goes, we would not have the psalmist who says of God, even as I rise on the, dawn, on the wings of dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, O God. Even the psalmists are influenced by Abraham's theology. Abraham offers us an orientation to divine presence that allows us to know and realize and stand in the hope that God, who was with you yesterday and who was with our ancestors yesterday, will be with us tomorrow and will be with our future generations into every tomorrow. And that whatever troubles we are bearing today, God will hold us and love us and be alongside us through the muck and mud, through the risk and the wind, through the uncertainties and the possibilities set before us. So we may, may we meet this God here in this place and wherever we go. And may we too tread lightly for all the earth is holy ground. Amen.